0: Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, December 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The founders of Google are stepping down from their day-to-day roles at Alphabet. U.S. presidential candidate Kamala Harris drops out of the 2020 race. And the NATO summit in London is shaping up to be an event that divides the alliance instead of strengthening it. Plus, Democrats accuse President Trump of abusing his office in a new report as they push ahead in the next phase of the impeachment inquiry. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. About 21 years ago, Larry Page and Sergey Brin founded Google as students at Stanford University. Now, the two co-founders are stepping down from their roles at the tech group's parent company, Alphabet. Yesterday, the company announced that Sundar Pichai, the Google chief executive, will step into the top job at Alphabet. Mr. Pichai had been managing Google's internet business for the past four years, and now he'll be running the company's other technology projects that it calls Moonshots. These include the Waymo driverless car unit and the healthcare company Calico. But even with the change of roles, Mr. Page and Mr. Brin control more than 51% of the votes in Alphabet, thanks to a special class of stock. The company said the duo will, quote, continue their involvement as co-founders, shareholders, and members of Alphabet's board of directors. Mr. Page and Mr. Brin did not give specific reasons for stepping away from the company. The campaign simply doesn't have the financial resources to continue. That's what Kamala Harris emailed to supporters on Tuesday as she pulled the plug on her 2020 U.S. presidential campaign. In what was likely a dig at former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Ms. Harris added, quote, I'm not a billionaire. I can't fund my own campaign. Her campaign had just over $10.5 million cash on hand at the end of the third quarter. And she had laid off dozens of staffers in New Hampshire, where many primary candidates dedicate a lot of attention. Her campaign had raised $36.5 million in total in the year to date. Ms. Harris was the only woman of color in the race. And the U.S. senator from California quit just two months before a key moment in the campaign, the Iowa caucuses. The latest average of polls compiled by Politics showed that she had the backing of around 3.5% of likely Democratic voters across the U.S. Ms. Harris is the third candidate to drop out this week. Now 15 remain. But only six candidates have qualified for this month's Democratic National Committee debate in Los Angeles. And NATO leaders gathered in London yesterday in what was meant to be a celebration of the durability of the alliance. But tensions flared before the summit even started. Donald Trump criticized his French counterpart, Emmanuel Macron, hours before the official gathering. Last month, Mr. Macron said that NATO was suffering, quote, brain death. Mr. Trump called those comments nasty and insulting. Mr. Trump has a history of tearing into NATO member states. Last year, he targeted several countries, especially Germany, for not spending more on their militaries. And yesterday, he said he could see France, quote, breaking off from NATO, even though Mr. Macron has never made such a suggestion.
1: Nobody needs NATO more than France. And frankly, uh, the one that benefits really the least is the United States. We benefit the least. We're helping Europe. But I think nobody needs it more than France, And that's why I think that when France makes a statement like they made about NATO, it's a very dangerous statement for them to make.
0: Things between the U.S. and France have been tense for other reasons, too. On Monday, the Trump administration proposed imposing 100 percent tariffs on a number of French goods, including champagne, handbags and cheeses. This was in response to a French digital services tax, something Mr. Trump says unfairly discriminates against U.S. companies such as Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. But after the White House warned they'd respond similarly to other countries imposing a tech levy, Boris Johnson doubled down. The U.K. Prime Minister vowed to push ahead with a British digital sales tax. You can follow the latest from the 70th Anniversary Summit today at FT.com. And here's a story you should know more about. On Tuesday, House Democrats investigating the U.S. president said this of Donald Trump. The evidence is clear that he tried to advance his chances at re-election by pushing Ukraine to dig up dirt on an opponent. The assertion came in a 300-page report on the House Intelligence Committee's investigation into White House dealings with Ukraine. The FT's U.S. managing editor, Peter Spiegel, breaks down the two main charges the members of the House are using to go after the president.
1: One is abuse of power. And it was always clear that using the presidency to pressure the Ukrainian government to intervene in an American election was going to be the abuse of power charge that they were going to pursue. The other thing they did is looked at what they call calling obstruction. This is a late cover to the process, but they have argued because Trump himself and the White House more broadly dictated that no one should cooperate with the impeachment proceedings and that the House is empowered by the Constitution to go pursue impeachment proceedings if it's, they, they feel it's the right thing to do. They are arguing that the president, by not cooperating, is obstructing their investigation. And so there's likely to be a second article of impeachment on obstruction, a quote that is very clearly states it. It would be hard to imagine a stronger or more complete case of obstruction than demonstrated by the president since the inquiry began. So a latecomer to the event, but no less important to the inquiry.
0: So was this at all surprising? what we found out yesterday?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that probably people who follow this closely would say is all this stuff we knew, right? It is is your topics that were discussed ad nauseum in those two weeks of public hearings. They have been the subject of repeated media reports dating back to when the the first whistleblower complaint emerged a couple months ago. So none of this is actually that surprising. What is important about it, though, is remember, an impeachment process is a political process. It's not a legal process. So this is not a legal document. This is a 300-page political document in that they're trying to Tell a story, right? Politics is about convincing voters and the average American that this is worthwhile. And by sort of telling the story in a very novelistic way, to be honest with you, I mean, it's very clearly written, it's very vivid language, it tells the tale in a way that the hearings and the leaks and the newspapers have not been able to, in a book form, actually, this is clearly an effort to persuade the American people that what they're doing is not a hoax, as Trump claims, this is not a witch hunt, this is a story of abuse of power. And so it is a argument that is aimed at the American people And as a follow-on, as a sort of a ricochet effect on Republicans in particular who have stood by the president up until now.
0: Peter, after the report was released, House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff held a press conference. Here's what he had to say.
1: This is the result of a president who believes that he is beyond indictment, beyond impeachment, beyond any form of accountability and indeed above the law. And that is a very dangerous thing for this country to have an unethical president who believes they are above the law. The question now is, what
0: does Congress do about this? So what does Congress do about it? What does the Senate eventually do about it if it gets to that point?
1: So it is not in the remit of the House Intelligence Committee to issue articles of impeachment. That is the constitutional duty of the House Judiciary Committee. So this is almost a sort of a report that is being sent to the Judiciary Committee for them to consider. Now we have uh, this week, House Judiciary Committee is starting its own public hearings. These are going to be far more academic. It's experts coming to say, what does the impeachment process look like and how do you impeach a president? And these kinds of things. They are the ones that will have to report vote on, report out articles of impeachment to the House floor. So we expect that to happen, you know, sometime in the next week or two. And the Democrats are able to stuck to their schedule. By the Christmas break, we will get the full House voting on actual artists of impeachment. If we look at this report on Tuesday. What we're seeing is two charges probably likely reported out of the House Judiciary Committee. And we're seeing no Democrats really at all sort of fall by the wayside. So we're probably a party line vote in the House before the holiday break uh, in which They vote to impeach the president of the United States. Now, remember, impeachment does not mean removal from office. Right, right. So this basically then moves to the Senate, and no president of the United States has ever been removed by the Senate. Remember, it takes a two-thirds majority, and there is no sign that there are enough Republicans who are going to switch sides to the Democrats. There is very little chance of enough Republicans moving to the Democratic side to remove him from office. So the likelihood is we get a party-line vote in the House to impeach, a party-line vote in the Senate against removal, and Trump goes into the election damaged, so it could still have a major impact on the 2020 election, and that's something we'll be following very closely.
0: You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.